Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and guide us in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and we are here for you, the listeners. It's our responsibility, our obligation to help you, our listeners, to empower you to be knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. There are several ways you can do it. The primary way, if you want to get your thoughts, insights, information, commentary, dialogue, two cents, four cents, six cents, a dollar. <laughs> if you want to get that on the air live, you can call the number 230, uh, 347-237-5230. That's 347-237-5230. That's the number to call if you want to get your voice live on the air. If you don't want to, the chat room is open. You simply go to blogtalkradio.com, um, find us on Zero Today, and uh, join in the chat room. And you can also, we have, um, oh boy. Okay, so the chat room is not, <laughs> it's not up right now. Or is it? I think it is. Anyway, yeah, chat room is open. So you can do that. Join us in the chat room. Also, you can um, find us on Facebook, Zero Network on Facebook. Uh, join us on, go to a Blog Talk Radio, like the page, subscribe to the show. You can listen to the show. Follow me on my personal page, LorenzoTNeal.com. And uh, we have articles there. Hit me an email and my personal email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Zero Radio and follow me on Twitter at Prophesy. So we're all over the board. You can hit us up on Skype and anything else. We're trying to expand our territory. <laughs> if you wonder why I'm so excited, it's because I just got off of a wonderful birthday weekend. Uh, on Thursday last week, I turned the big four zero, number 40, and I am blessed to be alive and well, to be able to celebrate uh, this new phase of life. And I posted on my Facebook page, those of you who are my followers on Facebook, my friends on Facebook, you saw, uh, not only was I accepting gifts all month, and my members here at the church in New Bethel, they were doing some wonderful things. I mean, they, they showed me some outstanding standing love all the month of May. But at one particular Bible study, noon Bible study, they laid out a wonderful lunch for me by surprise. And I, I they surprised me all the time. I, I have not learned how to be fooled by, not be fooled by them. I mean, I, I, I'm just gullible. I'm just a gullible pastor. <laughs> I'm a gullible pastor. They laid out a lunch for me that was just wonderful. And we had a wonderful Bible study. And I'm thinking, you know, somebody said, Pastor, we need you upstairs to come check on something. And I'm like, okay. 
I get up there, and they have this laid out in our conference room, and it's a wonderful lunch. It was a wonderful birthday celebration. And then on this past Sunday, uh, well, we had a whole bunch of stuff going on at the church, and I was just excited the whole time because it was my birthday on Thursday. We had a Sunday's convention that we hosted here at the church on Friday and Saturday, and uh, they, I mean, they just, they did a great job surprising me and having a great day. And then on Sunday evening, we had a birthday party. I had a birthday party. <laughs> I had my first birthday party since I was a teenager. And I you know, I was kind of dampened because the rain kept a lot of people from coming. And we had a nice, nice downpour that I got caught in and got very wet in. But that's neither here nor there. But uh, <laughs> And shout out to my very special lady, April, who, who – uh, she called me a diva that day, and um, I, I won't say I wasn't acting like a diva for that party, but, you know, it was my birthday. It was my party. <laughs> what the song say? It's my party. I could cry if I want to. <laughs> and I know she's listening. She's going to say something. So, ha. Anyway, so we had a birthday party for me, and uh, it was a wonderful time. Uh, my members came out. I know a lot of people wanted to be there, but again, the weather did not permit for some of them who wanted to come to come. But my, I, I had a lot of love, and I felt the love. And it was really important to me because um, I just lost one of my dear friends who died of a heart attack at 40. And we buried him this past weekend also. I went home uh, to be to celebrate his life with his family and our friends, our class, high school class. And, you know, I was afraid for a long time. I was when he passed, I was like, oh, my God. You know, I went through that whole grieving process of asking God why, you know, and I came out on the other side. So I, I, I'm just happy. And, you know, I, 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 I'm so happy I've deviated from my, my youth r- routine <laughs> just to share how happy I am about turning 40. Now, I'm going to celebrate 40 for one year. One year I'm going to be 40. That's it. <laughs> After that, if you forget how old I am, good. If you if you ask me how old I am, I will give you a number number, another number. I'm serious. I am very serious. <laughs> but anyway, we got a lot to talk about. I'm asking you the question: Are we in the age of antichrist? Is the is the modern culture in the age of antichrist? And by antichrist, I'm not talking about the person. And I'm not talking about end time prophecy. So, you know, we're just going to be discussing some of the things that are happening that uh, that should that should uh, raise up a sense of urgency regarding uh, our commitment to discipleship and to the cause of Christ. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Of course, there's a lot of things, uh, headline news that I really want to get to, and we're going to get to as soon as we uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for the day. We bless you for another opportunity to be on the show, to do the show. Thank you for the time we had. Thank you for 40 years of life. Now let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer, we ask this in your son's name. Amen. So, uh, I, 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 um... I got. An, I, I've been saying for some time that we're we're going to be upgrading and trying to do better things, you know, for the show. Um, we're in the process of developing a website to reflect the show. So all of that, all the archive shows that we've been doing for the last ten years, and I mean five years. This month, actually, June celebrate is the official fifth year anniversary of Zero Today. I've been doing this show since 2000, since June of 2010, and it is amazing to me. Uh, we, I was looking at the stats. Over 100,000 people have listened to this show over the period, uh, well, you know, over the, very, over the period of the last three years or so, which is a lot. I mean, that's a, that's a lot to me. may not be a lot to you folks, but it's a lot to me, considering that, you know, <laughs> this is what a homegrown podcast, and and the other thing is, uh, let let me let me roll off some of these stats that I get. Um, now, uh, just this year, just just this year, just this year, uh, we've had 
uh, we average maybe about 300 listeners a week, give or take, uh, I lie, 453. And that's, you know, that's, that's hey, it's good for me. <laughs> I, and, but but we have we have um we have really grown and the audience is growing um our we're we're expanding into other markets and people are listening on their you know computers they're listening uh they're listening to um apple podcast iTunes and they're doing it and I really appreciate it you know people matter of fact we get more searches now for the show than we have ever before and that's a big thing that's that's what i really really proud of you know people are are are, are, are searching for the so you know they're doing the google search engine whatever search engine they use and i i appreciate that and i just want to say that i appreciate that but uh in the five years that we've done we've been doing this show we've been trying to we've been trying to um to get topics that are uh, approach topics that are controversial that are relevant in ways that are non uh, uh non-contentional you know it's not that I don't like the confrontation but uh every now and then you just have to have dialogue dialogue is always good so that's what this show is about but anyway while I'm talking about dialogue um let me get to some of these headlines for this morning um I was reading the Christian Post, and I read a lot of, I read a lot of, um, doing my show te- show prep. I do so much reading; it's a shame. But one of the articles I came across was in the Christian Post this morning, and it tells the story of an ISIS militant. And if you're not familiar with ISIS, then I don't know what planet you've been on. <laughs> but ISIS is, you know, the Islamic State. It goes by the name ISIL or ISIS, um, and there's another new name they just are uh, putting out there for it. But the Christian Post reported that there was a Christian, there was a Islamic militant jihadist who was a part of the ISIS group, and this person was responsible for killing dozens of Christians in the Middle East as part of his, you know. Beliefs in this Islamic, um, um, what is it? Jihad, Islamic jihad. So, and in doing so, he he killed he killed a lot of Christians, and he said that uh, he has now converted from Islam to Christianity. Uh, he he said that he has now become a part of the very religion that he was hoping to destroy. And it was interesting how he became a part of this religion, how his conversion, uh, his testimony. Uh, part of it is that when he tells the story that he had killed many, many Christians, and he actually enjoyed it. But he said before killing one Christian in particular, uh, the person said, I know that you're going to kill me, but I give you my Bible. And he still killed the person. He took the Bible and still killed the person. But he began to read that Bible. And somewhere in between reading that Bible, he had dreams. And uh, two dreams in particular that he reported to this uh, person from uh, Youth with a Mission. Is uh, If you're familiar with Youth with a Mission, it's a... Uh, Outreach missions organization that has that sends um, missionaries across the world, and uh, he contacted one of those workers from Youth with a Mission, and he said that he had been converted, and that he wanted to be discipled. And he goes on to tell the story of how he had gotten converted. He says that in one dream that he had, he had a dream of uh, a man in white, all white, and the man said to him. That you are killing my people. And upon hearing that, he felt very uneasy. The, the, the story reports that he felt very, un, very uneasy and very, very uh, bad about what he was doing. It doesn't say that he stopped killing. It doesn't say that he 
you know, he continued uh he didn't continue with with his militancy. Um it simply says that he that was one of the dreams he had and then uh he had a another dream that he told that was probably very relevant and um powerful to him. Uh in this dream he said that he saw Jesus and Jesus told him to follow him. And that's when he knew that he had to leave behind his Islamic radicalism, his his thinking and his processing and his militancy and all of that, and he converted to Christianity. He somehow found that mission and group, uh, Youth with a Mission group, and shared with them his testimony. Now, I can't validate the story. I can't, uh, you know, even if it's in the Christian post, you know, we can't really authenticate the story. It may be a made up story, it may not be. I don't I don't know. I'm not the one to judge that. But what I do know is that if if this person if this person was actually a, a murderer of Christians, a persecutor of Christians, uh, it, it kind of brings to mind the story of Saul of Tarsus. And you know how Saul if you read the Bible in Acts chapter nine, you you know that uh Saul of Tarsus had a conversion experience on the road to Damascus. And so uh, it's become a coin phrase now that when people have a people who one way become another way that they have a Damascus experience, Damascus road event experience. And, and so he, you know, he has this experience and he's now a Christian. We don't know. And, you know, we could, there's a lot of assumptions into this story about whether he will um, spread his, new faith and will he become a missionary will he share his testimony will he do all of these things or you know is it just something that kind of roused the the uh the the need for christ the cause of christ and i i don't know but it is an interesting story nonetheless and um i'm gonna you know we can only pray for the brother that he finds that he you know he finds his calling now that he is no longer a militant, and now that he is, um, now it's, it's a lot. But for those who, who do, you know, skeptics, I all I can say is, if it happened, it happened. We should applaud and pray and undergird him and those others who are converting. Because I know, uh, you know, we have a church plant in Pakistan, and there, Pakistan. Uh, is largely a Muslim um, country. Uh, there, are, there are some provinces in Pakistan where there are Christians, and uh, Catholicism is the prominent uh, Christian religion there in there. But there are a lot of Muslims converting to Christianity under the fear, uh, under the guise of death. I mean, these persons are converting knowing that they could possibly face death. And here in the states in Western Christianity, you know, we're leaving the church. <laughs> How ironic is that? I, I, hey, it is what it is. Uh, so, I, if, that, if this is a real article, and well, I mean, it's a real article posted in the Christian Post. But I mean, if this person experienced uh, once being a jihadist, ISIS militant, and now a Christian, if this is, uh, this is a very powerful testimony. And uh, one that could, you know, affect affect a lot of people in that region. But, you know, we need to know, but God does. And on another note, remember just a few months ago, the good Reverend Dr. Creflo Dollar Jr., uh, his organization sent out a uh, fundraising letter. Asking for assistance to purchase a $65 million Gulfstream jet. Um, and he said if we get, uh, I think it's 200,000 people to give $300 or 300,000 to give $200, something like that. Either way, uh, they could purchase the jet debt free. And Creflo Dollar has always been about debt free ministry. You know, he built his new. His well, not new church, but he built his church. The uh, uh, is it the World Dome? Yeah, the World Dome in uh, in Atlanta, 
well, in College Park. He built that debt-free and probably used the same fundraising methods that he was using. He was soliciting in his fundraising letter for his jet. Well, of course, it made the rounds of social media, and people were outraged that he was asking people to help him raise $65 million for a jet. And the outcry was, you know, it was overwhelming. And not only was it overwhelming to the the secular world, but it was over you know overwhelming from the church world. Hold on for a second, my cord is tangled up, and uh, so if you hear this rattling or whatever, that's me trying to untangle all these cords. I tell you, uh, <laughs> I don't know how these cords got tangled, but they did, and I'm untangling them. All right, all right. So, so Creflo goes on the air. Um, after asking for all of this money, and he says to his church, he says to them, um, the only reason people, only reason I got this slack was because um was because the devil was trying to to uh silence his voice and that was just one way of silencing his voice <laughs> and he said you can't stop me from dreaming and blah 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 yada yada he said then he goes on to say that uh one person in the middle east said that we need you here and and send a check for the church, for the jet, he didn't say how much the check was, or didn't name the person. Anyway, anyway, now as of yesterday or sometime this week, the board of directors for his church has stated that they are going to get him his jet. So Creflo will have his jet after all in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is what's it. All right. According to sources from the church, uh, the Royal Changes Board of Directors have voted to purchase the jet for him. It's, they said it is their belief that the ministry is called to serve people globally, to literally change the world according to the Great Commission, commission and our infrastructure or their infrastructure and operational plan reflect the worldwide nature of that assignment. Our pastors share the gospel of Jesus more than 300 times per year in churches, arenas, venues, convention centers, stadiums, and other facilities across the entire planet. And they are committed to aggressive travel schedules that cannot be fulfilled via any other means other than private aircraft. And this is what his board of directors said. So, in so many words, they said, well... What pastor won't pastor get. Pastor gonna get what he want. Now I I part of me wants to say that the board is nothing more than a bunch of yes men and women. That's part of what I want to say. As a pastor, I have a board, and my board of stewards are the ones who are responsible for all of the temporal affairs of this church. What my salary is, what my housing allowance is, what my, uh, you know, all the benefits of my package. <laughs> and uh, my treasurer at the church, he, you know, he knows when to say no to me. And I'm, got, I'm glad of that. Uh, my board members know when to say no. Uh, you know, even though I'm chair of the board and, I, you know, chair of every board here at the church. They still know when to say no. They know when to say, Pastor, this is maybe not the best idea. It may be a good idea, but it may not be the best time. There was a project we wanted to do uh, last year, and I presented to – I called both my boards together. I board my, tr- my board of trustees and my board of stewards, and I brought them together in a joint meeting. And I said, this is a project I want to do to enhance the media ministry of the church. Put together the plan presented it to them, and they voted to do it. And then when we looked at where the funding was actually have to come from, we all agreed that we may have to – we can only do it in part. We can't do the whole project, but we can do it in part. And I was I, – I walked away from that meeting, a second meeting. I was like, man, 
how could they say yes and then turn around and say no? And then I realized, you know what? It's about the best interests of the church. I, you know, what good will it just be to spend thousands of dollars on one project and the church is struggling financially? And it ended up working out to our benefit because <laughs> what we spent money on actually we didn't really spend a lot of money on, and it worked out. We still had built, we still were able to do what we wanted to do with the media ministry, and without spending the extra funds. And I got another project that we came up with that because we did not spend that that money that I wanted to spend on the media ministry, we had another project that came up that was even more that, that all of the members wanted to see done, and we got it done. And I'm 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 really grateful for that because if we had focused on what I wanted, we would not have the funds to be able to do the second project that the people wanted. And while they say, while they say that this, you know, their 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 ministry is called to serve people globally, that may be true. But what about the local community? I mean, how much more can you do with money going straight into your community? The funds that come in through the church and College Park is is a you know it is an urban community, and I know that uh, World Changes Church does a lot, but think about the funds that could be going further into community development. You know, there's a lot more that they could do than uh, that spend money on a plane. Can think about it. Uh, first of all. Even though the board approved, uh, they only make Gulfstream only makes about fifty of these jets a year. Okay, uh, so the order for 2015 is already up. The order for 2016 is already up, filled. The order for 2017 is quickly filling, which means that even if they purchase, if they try to purchase that seventy, sixty-five million, seventy million dollar plane, however much it is, he won't have access to it. Until around 2017, 2018. Wow. So that's money wasted. And then think about it. You have to pay for the uh, the jet hangar, jet fuel. You have to pay for the pilots and their salary. You have to pay for all kinds of upkeep, stewards, you know, whatever, what they call them now, uh, the, the flight attendants in there. You have to pay for all of that. And paying for the jet does not pay for all of that. So the members will continually be paying for the upkeep and maintenance of that jet that they will never fly on. That even some of the pastors and the ministers in that church will never get to see. But that's just me. I digress. Look, I'm going to take a quick break. And um, when we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about are we... It's the world in the age of Antichrist. And I got somebody in the in the, the chat room who's really already going in on on this. And um, we'll get to talking about that. But for right now, we're just going to take a break. And when we come back from the break, this is what we'll be talking about. You know, all kinds of – it's craziness. It's just craziness. But is this craziness Antichrist or is it just a – Spiritual evolution that we are experiencing. I don't know. You be the cop. You be the judge of that. But Quicksilver cashback card from Capital One. It's not the limit to cash I earn every month card. It's not the I only earn decent rewards at the gas station card. It's the no games, no signing up, everyday rewarding, kung fu fighting, silver lightning in a bottle, bringing home the bacon cashback card. This is the Quicksilver card from Capital One. Unlimited 1.5% cashback on every purchase, everywhere, every single day. So ask yourself, what's in your wallet? When we made our commitment to the Gulf, VP had two big goals. Help the Gulf recover and learn from what happened. 
so we could be a better, safer energy company. I've been with BP for 24 years. I was part of the team that helped deliver on our commitments to the Gulf, and I can tell you, safety is at the heart of everything we do. We've added cutting-edge safety equipment and technology, like a new deep water well cap and a state-of-the-art monitoring center where experts watch over all our drilling activity 24-7. And we're sharing what we've learned so we can all produce energy more safely. Safety is a vital part of BP's commitment to America and to the nearly 250,000 people who work with us here. We invest more in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world. Over $55 billion here in the last five years, making BP America's largest energy investor. Our commitment has never been stronger. This is the Quicksilver Cashback Card from Capital One. It's not the limit to cash. Those of you who've listened to my show uh, realized that uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, my computer crashed on me, and I had lost just, I thought I lost just about everything on my computer, all my important files and documents. But then I remembered that I had security. I had my files backed up automatically by Carbonite.com. Now, here's the good thing about Carbonite.com. They have the same encrypted technology that is used uh, for security, uh, e-commerce, transactions, all that stuff. They got it, right? And then they house it in state-of-art data centers that's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wasn't worried because I knew my files were automatically backed up. And here's the good thing. I, I didn't have to worry about retrieving them either because I could access my files from any computer anywhere in the world. So if, if, if you, you feel like you're going to lose your stuff, I recommend Carbonite.com because that's the place to go. You don't have to worry about the cost either because they have a price for every budget you can imagine. Not only that, but if you go to that site today, you could get a 15-day free trial right now if you go in today. That's Carbonite.com for all your online backing needs. All they do is back up your files online. They don't do anything else. You can be guaranteed that all of your important documents, everything that you love on your computer will be safe and secure. Check them out today at Carbonite.com for your online backup. All right, welcome back to today. Um, I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Gill, and I'm glad that you're joining us. I'm excited about today. I don't know about you. I'm I'm excited. This is the sixth. This is the sixth month of the year. Year's going by very fast, and I'm not going to say it's too fast, but it, it's fast enough. And um, you know, I'm excited. That means we're getting closer and closer and closer to football season because <laughs> of the Saints football team playing. That's just me. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> Anyway, so let's get into this conversation here. Is our society in the age of Antichrist? And I have uh, um, some comments from the from the chat room that uh, I, I I think they're kind of relevant. Uh, Messiah comes to expose all the pretense that the sure consummate word of God, the Most High, must take preeminence in all the earth. And I, I agree uh, as as is a as as a Christian as as a believer, um, I believe that the Word of God is is the primary source of revelation knowledge for us. And regarding Scripture, it's very clear on a lot of things regarding end times. But this isn't. I'm not asking about end times. I'm not asking about the Antichrist person because if yeah, if we went by that, you know, Ronald Reagan was the Antichrist, Pope John uh, Paul II was the Antichrist. Some people even now were saying that Obama, President Obama, is the Antichrist. <laughs> Everybody who – somebody has been the Antichrist. Uh, I remember they were saying Marilyn Manson, the musician, was the Antichrist and uh, several other persons were – with Antichrist, um, I, I, I'm not a scholar in the end time process, prophecy. I, I don't really 
ascertain a lot to end time prophecy. I don't put, you know, I don't, I don't do all of that. I, I understand it. I can teach it uh, from various perspectives. But what I believe is happening right now, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I believe the spirit of Antichrist is very prevalent, prevalent and present in uh, the today. I say that because when I see when you, the word anti simply means against Christ, and uh, and I, I put this in context of the question: uh, uh, Is there if we are are we in the age of the Antichrist, uh, where Christ, where where things are just simply against Christ, or are we in the midst of a spiritual? Evolution as happened in ages past. Every if you go back and study, you know, uh, major historical periods, there were spiritual, uh, uh, there were spiritual, spiritual evolutions that took place. And when you look at it, even particularly in the Egyptian dynasty, uh, dynasty and religion, uh, you had Ra, and then you had Amra, you had uh, you know those 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 Egyptian deities as as uh, time progressed, they changed, and then when you get into Sumerian, uh, ancient Sumerian uh, deity and Babylonian deity and Tibetan deity is, and all things, uh, probably the most uh, prominent that really hasn't changed is Zoroastrian, because some of those thoughts Zoroaster puts forth uh, are now found in Christianity, and so, uh, matter of fact, a large portion. Of what we know as Christianity is is probably got some of its ideals. Jesus probably got some of his ideas from that. I don't know that sounds that sounds heretical to a lot of people, but when you really look at it, yes, it, it it's the case. And uh, people don't want to admit it's okay to say to it's okay to know that Jesus uh, learned and studied outside of his. Uh, traditional Jewish faith, and then incorporated his teachings into, and, and at least tried to get them, uh, his contemporary Jews to understand, and they rejected him. That's why scripture, uh, when they uh, ascribe one particular scripture to the Messiah, by in, in Isaiah said that he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Uh, it's because they did reject it. He even said himself that a property is without honor in his own home. And he wasn't talking about him starting a new faith. He wasn't talking about it. He was talking about him reviving the real faith of the ancient Hebrews, the one that they called, who called themselves sons and daughters of Abraham. He was coming to revive that. But um, Paul writes about it. Um, John writes about the Antichrist. Well, John really writes about the Antichrist. Most of what we get comes from the the letters of John about the Antichrist and Revelation about the Antichrist. And we draw from that the idea that there will be an individual who will raise up against Christ and the individual will be the David, uh, the son of the devil. And, you know, like the movie The Omen. I don't know if y'all saw that movie, The Omen. <laughs> you know, the boy and the dogs, and it was scary back in the day. <laughs> he was the son of the devil, just like God. Jesus was the son of God. You know, according to to some persons who interpret scripture, the the devil's going to have a son who's going to be uh, functioning like <laughs> like God, like Jesus in a sense. But um. Either way, either way, the reality is that we are in an age, from my perspective, where things are going against Christ. The idea of Christ. What is the idea of Christ? The idea of Christ is not the idea of the church alone, because we're seeing defection from the church. For example, um, we're we're finding within the church universal. Conflict in ideas. You think in the Western Church, particularly here in the states, you have evangelical Christianity, which is largely fundamental, largely regionally Southern Baptist. You know, you know they are those Bible thumping. You know, found largely in the Bible Belt here in the South of uh, South Southern United States area. And then you have in the North and the Eastern uh, area, and some on the 
northern west coast where you have the more liberal um, Christianity. And these are the ones who are proponents of everything that you can think socially that is anti-conservative, anti-fundamentalist, anti-evangelical. These are proponents of that, you know, the liberals. And they're pushing for uh, – I mean back in the day when when even – Allow women in ministry, you know. <laughs> well, that's becoming more progressive now. That was at one time a very, very liberal, liberal idea, and they're pushing, they're promoting, uh, promoting things like that, and promoting things like uh, same-sex marriage and uh, all all kinds of things. They are to the evangelical uh, fundamentalist church. They are the antichrist, and then you have the the Roman Catholic Church, which is oh my goodness. It seems to be inwardly disintegrating with the help of this current pope because the current pope has stated, well, if a person is homosexual, who is he to judge? He said that. He's also uh, looking into the idea of celibacy for priests and because the Catholic Church for the last uh, decade or so have been allowing uh, married priests, priests who come from the Episcopalian Church, to come into the Catholic Church and, you know, function as priests, not have to be celibate because they're married. And so these internal struggles are going against itself, you know, going against the church itself. And in the midst of that, you have a whole lot of social issues coming to prominence more particular uh, particularly now, you know, with the, with the, uh, I don't even know how to say it. I don't even know what to call it. The homosexual gender, LBGTQI, whatever they are now, uh, all of these things are coming to prominence now, and uh, you know, they're, they're, these kind of things are forcing the church to examine itself. And there's a wonderful article that I came across in Charisma News, and. <laughs> It's it's amazing if you if you following you've been following the news last week or the week before some time ago, uh, last month sometime in month of May, the Irish government uh, the people of Ireland voted to um, voted to to make same sex marriage legal. And there was a big celebration in Ireland, and so many people spoke that Ireland has now become uh, a leader in the world for uh, LG for the LGBT community and all of this. But there was a there's a man who wrote a wonderful article and a letter, and he states that he is a gay atheist, and uh, the uh, the author. Matthew Parrish wrote this article on May 27th in The Spectator, and the article is entitled, As a Gay Atheist, I Want to See the Church Oppose Same-Sex Marriage. And the reason he, the article was written, and he says, what he basically says, the, some of the article, he says that the church needs to get a backbone. The church needs particularly the Roman Catholic Church because Ireland is a uh, Catholic you know for 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 centuries it was always a war between the Protestant and the Catholics and you know that was continuing even on into the 20th century um but he was saying that the church needs to stop following social issues as if to bring you know as if to learn from them on how to be a better church and should dictate to the social issues how they should fall in line with the church. Now, at one time, you know, that wasn't a problem. They simply go in and declare war and, you know, that's how they that's how they put down any opposition to the church back in the day. Now you can't do that, <laughs> and I'm glad. <laughs> you know the Crusades. You know the the latter part, the latter Crusades. Uh, I think they were ten or something like that. But most of the Crusades that went on with was basically civil war within the church, the church fighting other sects of Christianity. And now 
this atheist, this gay atheist says that church needs to get a backbone. And he uses the story of Moses coming down from the mountain after receiving receiving the commandments. He comes down from the mountain and he gets... Yes, he gets to the base of the mountain and he sees that the people are having this big this big orgy. And in having this big orgy, you know, he breaks the commandments. But he uses this parallel and call I see you. What I'm gonna do, I'm come uh let me I'm gonna finish come uh, this this come in and then I'm gonna get to you, caller. Um he he gets to the base of the base of the mountain and and you know, and sees the people with the golden calf dancing around, in there. and you know, basically gets upset. And he uses this story. Paris uses this story. Said, "What if Moses had come down from the from the mountain with the commandments, and instead of decrying the behavior of the people, instead of decrying that, he said, Wow, look, the people seem to be happy in their depravity and what they're doing. And how can I join them?'" Aaron, lead me to the to the nearest gay club. <laughs> you have to read the article. It's really, you know, kind of funny. I'm not saying it right. But that's the kind of reaction that we are having as a church. We're allowing the world to dictate to us as the church how to be instead of allowing the church to dictate to – allowing us to dictate to the world. Caller, you're on the line. Yes, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are yes. you? Well, hey, uh, I'm just analyzing a lot of things from a lot of perspective. I know that over and over again, I know what the Creator told me. To, uh, the greatest wisdom is not what people think they know, but what they don't know. Um, he told me that uh, in so many ways, he said, uh, to know what's said, not know why it is said, is oftentimes to miss the point. So, you know, my perspective has always been to try to look at things as thoroughly as it is possible. Uh, like I said, the greatest wisdom is not what people think they know, but what they don't know, for what they think they know, or what they conclude. Oftentimes, not giving consideration to all the Creator said. It's oftentimes, let's just say, very, very much, much so misleading. But you know, you were using this word. There was a lot of things you said that I, you know, I happen to be listening to, and there's a lot of things you need to be said. And I think one of the first concepts that we need to deal with, if you're going to talk about this idea about Antichrist, is look at the word Christ. It might be a shocking thing for. A lot of us to examine. Have you ever really looked at the def- the ancient definition or the etymology of the word? Oh yes, I have, but I'm sure a lot, a lot of my listeners haven't. <laughs> well, let me tell you. Go ahead, sure. About it from the book of Daniel. Uh-huh, if yes. You know, from the book of Daniel, uh, a perspective on that term that you know most are totally completely unaware of. Number one, consider that in Genesis, in the book of Genesis. Uh, there's a term for Messiah, and the term is uh, is used in Genesis uh, 49, then the 8th through the uh, 12th verse, where Messiah is called by the term Shiloh. And yeah. Shiloh, of course, means peace. It says, we talk about one who will come in the last days out of the tribe of Judah, who would be a lawgiver. So we're not talking about Moshe here, or Moses here. We're talking about someone out of the tribe of Judah, who in the last days all the people would gather unto. Therefore, seeing, being able to see beyond all the variant forms of confusion we see in this world, all the massive misrepresentations that exist in the world, and all converting unto him. Like the scripture says, unto him shall all the nations seek, his rest shall be glorious, uh, the isles shall wait for his law. It's all the same context. Okay, here's one that gets that most people have not caught on to. In the book of Daniel, when it talks about this Antichrist power or Antichrist person, as some people want to say, uh, Scripture said, who exalts himself above all that is to be called God or that is to be reverenced. Um, Daniel 11.36 talks about it. Second Thessalonians talks about it. Well, here's one of the gippers. Um, notice the Scripture said, the king shall do according to his will. He shall exalt himself, Daniel 11.36. Magnify himself above every god, shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that which is determined shall be done. Okay, this is really pretty awesome. 
Because most have not considered what those scriptures really mean in the context of what uh, written in Second Thessalonians, what's written in Colossians 2nd as well. The ancient concept of a Christ, that term Christ, even the term Christian, if you go back and look at the ancient uh, origins of it and look back to, let's just say, origins even before what is related in uh, Greco-Roman texts, you'll find that the term Christ was directly, in so many ways, in direct antithesis against the concept of a Messiah after yes, the will right. of one God. Now, here's the point. That term Christ among polytheists was considered one who was favored by all the various gods of the heathen. That's exactly wow. right. Now, exactly. get the point. It was shocking about this, because here's, here's what's shocking. The rulers called themselves favored of all the gods. Therefore, even though the, all the gods were fighting against one another, when they exalted themselves, saying that they were the favorite of all the gods, they saw themselves as saviors, both of heaven and earth, That's which right. is pretty doggone amazing. That is mm-hmm. totally directly against the concept of a savior after one most high, whereby the world might have peace. You, you, you're absolutely right, and this part of the reason why the church misses this uh, and a lot of pastors who are aware of this, you know, they don't say it because they might lose their jobs. <laughs> but uh, I heard it. I heard, heard it said before, sir. <laughs> yes, I have. All right, good. There, 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 there are a lot who who will not say this uh, and, and what you say. And 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 scripture is clear. Plus, uh, the ancient Hebrew tradition is very clear regarding uh, Messiah. And even Jesus was aware of Messiahs doing his. His time, those people who claim to be messiahs during his time, and he never himself claimed to be such. We have we have done that, um, but uh, I, I have to agree with when you. When he called himself the Son of Man, though, however, yes. when he called himself the Son of Man, relative to all that's understood before, especially in the Book of Enoch, uh, it's kind of understood who he yes. said he. But you know, en- Enoch is in, in is is not in the regular canon that we have. That's that's what I I usually just refer to what's in the the regular closed canon of the Old and New Testaments that we have. And most people don't refer to the Apocrypha or the extra canonical books, in particular the you know, the, yeah, what has you know, that's the Gospels. Yeah, what I tell a lot of people about that is the, the, in the Bible it does relate that Ethiopia will bring a testimony that the world is yes. forgotten. That's and it true. is amazing that the only so-called Christianized nation, if you want to use that term, uh, Christianized nation that has retained the book of Enoch, a book like Joshua and Jubilees, for instance, mm-hmm. or Nathan the Prophet, some of those, uh, is, amazingly enough, Ethiopia. Ethiopia, so that's correct. Tells you something. So it tells you something. There's something we really should be going back and getting, getting a look at. And the Catholic Church does admit that around somewhere around the 5th, 10th century, they found a way to... Uh, Put aside the book related to the one who Scripture says was so close to the Most High, the Most High took him. So you know something tells you something really, really hanky about that. But, yes. Well, one I, I, things, I'm running out of time. So can, okay. do you have another? I only have about another well, five minutes. Well, the statement I have to make about this. You were asking about the concept of an, of an Antichrist. Realize that uh-huh. when the world has done anything or taught any form of, let's just say, alternate testimony that would prevent men from discerning the Messiah as he is. Remember what's said in John 15 and 14. You're my friends if you do everything that I command you. Now, what he was actually saying is this. Men have drawn a multitude of hasty conclusions that have blinded them against being able to see the Messiah that he is for the multitude of varied testimonies that exist in the world. What most are not really told or aware of, if you read the scriptures very closely, what you find is that the Savior will come in the latter days, because there have been many who called upon his name, but not in truth nor in righteousness, or called upon his name, uh, forming a multitude of, uh, let's just say, premature conclusions, that when mm-hmm. the greatest truth comes, they're not prepared to listen to it. So he has to remove, I mean, actually, to tell you the truth about it, if you really want to talk about it, Isaiah 41st chapter, Malachi 3rd chapter, actually says the Messiah must come because he has to remove or expose Whatever pastors, priests, rabbis, kings, whatever, have taught a short-sighted testimony that prevents men from discerning his. And that's one of the one of the truths that you know one of the most critical truths in the whole Bible. That's really from Genesis to Revelation. 
that uh, most don't dare speak of. So what I tell people oftentimes, please, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 14, 17 through 4 and 5. Uh, if any man considers himself wise after all these variant standards that are seen to be wise in the world, let him consider himself a fool that he might become wise, because Messiah comes to reveal the hidden things that men have not considered. And then shall every man know how to praise Yah, which is why uh, Shaul, Apostle Paul, actually said, uh, I know nothing of which I'm guilty, for I might not be right in this. For my judges, mm-hmm. but many of us are compelled after these institutions because they all yeah forty five thousand denominations out here, and they all seek to compel men to believe that they somehow are representative. But reading Isaiah forty first chapter, particularly twenty first through the uh, forty two four, relates that Messiah is going to show that every single so called system we have on this earth, political, social, national, and religious has in some way fall, fallen short of the mark. And every prophecy in the Bible that relates to Messiah's coming says he comes at a time when the world is at a state of such spiritual depravity, indiscriminate thinking, that he has to come to declare the standard so that men might be restored to a covenant. So I ask the people a question. If we're not looking for that absolution, why say we so quickly that we have a covenant now? Truth is what it is. I, I I agree with you. I I I I couldn't have articulated a better argument. Um, but my perspective, well, not perspective, but uh, no, the way I was presenting this is in contrast to, um, to not really in contrast to what you were saying, but particularly the fact that uh, the contemporary church has not fully recognized the ideas presented in Christian uh, and and and. And the basics of the Christ faith, and we've gotten trapped in a Christological mythology, and the Christological mythology has forced us to contain ourselves in moral precepts and you know arguments and doctrine and things of that nature, and we've conformed our entire existence as a church more prevalent in the Western Church and here in the States in particular with evangelicals, Christian evangelicals, with the right. idea well, of I, something that is not true. Right. Well, that's yeah. why I ask the question oftentimes, is it really the church? It's supposed to take you out yes. of all this worldliness and all these obstructions. And as, let's be real about it. If you really go back and look at the, the, uh, the origin of the word church, most people might be totally shocked to find out what the origin of the word church is. In fact, to even to find out what the early believers called themselves. And it wasn't Christians. No, it they was not. Someone else called them. Right. Well, People yeah, the way. they called themselves Kurdishania. They called the Messiah the Kurdi. And if you understand that's right. that from the context of Isaiah uh, 41st chapter, and uh, the scripture said, talking about the Lord whom you seek, uh, the son of righteousness who will arise. I mean, you understand that, I know this might be shocking to a lot of people, but Isaiah 11th chapter talks about Messiah coming a second time to regather his people. And if he comes a second time to regather his people, as he did one time before, and the territory is immediately mentioned on the ancient Medo-Persian Empire, we have to That's ask correct. the question, who is it the Messiah said he was in Revelation 22:16 when he said, I'm the root and offspring of David, the bright morning star? Who had that title before? <laughs> Might be shocking because uh, people find out the Messiah you, has come. This is the third appearing. You're going, you're going a little too deep for some folks right now, <laughs> but I do appreciate. I have to let you go. I appreciate the comment, and you can share. Uh, you know, go to our page and share more, more insights. Uh, you go to the Facebook page, Zero Network. Share that insight because a lot of people think you know you use the word shock a lot, and unfortunately, it's true. A lot of people, particularly in black, uh, in black Christianity. Uh, need to be awakened to the reality of their Christological myth. And it's not going to hurt their faith. It's not going to send them to hell or anything like that. It's going to empower them. And that's what we're all about. So I appreciate you, caller. Thank you for sharing. Uh, thank you for calling. Uh, I have run out of time. And as much as I wanted to try to go over and do a lot, it's it's just so much that we need to, to be aware of. So uh, keep listening. Share your thoughts, your dialogue, your commentary. Uh, go to the web Facebook page. Go to my – send me a personal email, like I said before. However you want to do it, we appreciate it. I gratefully – I am grateful for your thoughts, for your insights, and uh, all of that. Just appreciate it so much. 
Uh, and I got to get out of here. But I appreciate you for uh, that. And if you need to do so, let us know. But until next week, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I am out, and I thank God for you. You guys have a wonderful week. I'm looking forward to next week. And be blessed by God.